This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 5 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm your co-host Ben and as ever I'm joined by Gary. How are we getting on mate? Hello, Ben. Yeah, mate, not too bad at all. Episode 5. Yeah. Doesn't time fly? Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it, it it felt a bit strange when I started this one saying, oh, this is episode one of a new podcast, given uh, that I've done podcasts elsewhere. But it, it, sort of getting on to episode five, it suddenly makes things seem a little bit more real, doesn't it? It does. And to be fair, I mean, we, we get quite a bit of feedback. I mean, we obviously at the, the game a couple of weeks ago, we had a few people come up and say they listen to the cast. So it's uh, it's nice that we, we're getting established, viewing numbers are settling down nicely. And it's, yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So um as ever we will we'll start the week off with uh, talking about the last game that Lincoln City played uh which was of course away at Macclesfield. Um so 2-1 win came away from that thinking, you know, maybe uh it sounds like it should have been a cricket score. Um and it was only only kept down by a, a man of the match display from a goalkeeper that uh, is uh, you know obviously on loan uh, from from Manchester United at Macclesfield. Um, and yeah, it sounded it sounded like a really convincing display um, that was only really kept down by that uh, fantastic display of keeping. Yeah, I think to a degree that's right. I mean, um, you know, he pulled off some really good saves. I think the one the one that really impressed me was from Harry Anderson's header, which you know, it was a quality header. It's reaction save, and he's pushed it out, got real firm hand behind it. Um, for fifty to sixty minutes, I thought Macclesfield were a shambles, um, mm. and we we could have been a lot further ahead. There might be questions as to whether we pressed them hard enough or not, but it's you know it's a tough place to go, and I thought we acquitted ourselves very well. Uh, and then as the game went on, inevitably in every game, the opposition are always going to have a spell. Macclesfield had theirs. It was a, you know, their goal was all right, but we showed some real character to come back, I think, and um, create another wonderful moment for travelling fans. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, you mentioned about their goal. From from the highlights, it seemed like it might have been, I don't want to say a sloppy goal to concede, but it looked like it was one where that 
you know, the, the ball sort of got fired across the, the face of goal and, and maybe you, you sort of have to pick apart something and say, well, could they have, could we have done any better to keep that one out? But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think ultimately the, the, the praise and the, uh, the, the credit goes to Ahara for keeping us out of the game for as long as he did. Um, and there wasn't really anything that, that I listened to in the commentary and it didn't sound like at any point we were really, struggling from anywhere other than being you know clinical in front of goal which is something that when you consider just how many goals we've scored this uh, scored so far this season it's it's not something that I would I'd be expecting to say but um yeah I mean it, it just sounds like we did uh, we, we did what we needed to do in like you say a difficult place to go um and you know man of the match performance from from Jason Shackle and uh yeah, I, I don't really think there was too many complaints at the end of it. I think there may have been potentially if we'd have uh, if we'd have come away with a draw, but it's just amazing how you know one extra goal can uh, completely turn people's opinions around. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, when it, when when we were one 0 up and we were in control, and you thought that we get the second goal, we go on and we score three or four. Um, O'Hara was in inspired form, and I, I've got a, a good friend of mine, um, Pete Summers, who's a Manchester United fan, and we were talking goalkeepers. He said that United just keep churning them out. You know, Dean Henderson, Sam Johnson, they've got um, the Argentinian number ones. That They've got such quality keepers. And O'Hara, for a young lad, I thought had a, gave a really mature performance. Um, we kept doing what we needed to do. I think we we say it was a lack of clinical edge in front of goal, but you know, there was one or two of those saves that on any other day, in any other place, they go in. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, McCartan's free kick bent wickedly right at the end, which went from being a catch to a save. Uh, I've mentioned the header. I mean, John Akindi had a good effort, which was palmed away, I think, at the uh, the near post. But to be fair, he, you know, the keeper shouldn't be getting beat there anyway. So, um, And then, obviously, he made a cracking save from Bruno, uh, literally, that, that led to the corner for the goal. So he certainly put in a, a very good display. And, you know, as I said, on any other day, we could have scored a, a few more. But, yeah, credit to Macclesfield as well, because... Even though they were being overrun and completely outplayed by uh, a much better side, they stuck at it. And I agree to uh, with you in some respects about their goal. I mean, it might be one that Danny's looked at and gone, somebody should have been picking up Grimes's run on the far post. I mean, the ball's come over and it's gone back again. But, you know, with that kind of long ball approach that I think they had to adapt towards the end, that sort of thing's always going to happen. We've scored enough goals like that ourselves, certainly under Keith in the past. But it oh, showed... Yeah. Uh, Sorry, as I say, absolutely. Like you know, the, the thing is, it it sounded like Macclesfield were just starting to to almost turn a corner. It sounded a bit like they they'd clearly had a bit of a you know a bollock in at half time from the manager, and it sounded like they actually came out and they they had a bit of a game plan uh, in the second half. Where in the first half it just sounded like a bunch of mates that got together on Saturday afternoon for a kickabout and and happened to find themselves playing in a League Two match. Yeah, but curiously, the saves from McCartan and Anderson and Akindi uh, and Andrade obviously all came in the second half. So in actual mm. fact, we probably had the pick of our chances after they upped their game. Um, mm. But I mean, what character? What character to fight in a game, um, to, to not score, to then be pegged back so late on at home? You know, usually that's when the home team kick on and go and win the game. And for us to go back up and continue to attack the ball, okay, O'Hara's, you know, he's probably cost them the game in the end because he's come for the ball and flapped at it and it's landed at Shackle's feet. But the character that we showed to get back into that game is 
the sort of character that you show when you are looking at finishing in the top three of League Two. Um, there's, there's no other way to describe it. Had we lost the game or drawn the game, we'd still be top now and we'd be taking solace in that. We'd go, oh, we're still a point clear. The fact is mm. we're three points clear and we're three points clear purely and simply because refuse to lose. And that's been Danny's mantra from the second he walked through the door. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on on there. I think um, the... <laughs> The last thing that I, I want to say on it is, you know, Danny was, after the game, was was quite, you know, he was quite uh, astute in what he said. And I think he, he basically came out and said, look, we've, we've done the job we needed to do. Credit to Macclesfield, you know, they, they did, they they pushed us. And I think, you know, we we needed to find that edge a little bit more than we, we perhaps did. And I think, you know, I think he once again got it fairly spot on. I think it was the best way to bounce back from, uh, you know, from from the uh, the defeat last week. Um, maybe it wasn't necessarily the kind of uh, the the thumping defeat that a lot of people wanted to see, but you're never going to get that at Moss Rose. So I think it was um, the result probably on on the balance of it. It sounds like the result was the right one, um, and I think we've uh, we've got a good place to kick on from now. Like you say, we're still top. We're three points clear. We've got a positive goal difference, um, and I think ultimately we're in a very very strong position at the moment to to move on and uh, and and take on MK Dons on Saturday. Yeah, quite. I mean, you touched on it there. We've got a positive goal difference, so you know, thumping Macclesfield wasn't wasn't necessary. You only get three points for a win, whether you score one or 10. And when you've got our goal difference um, from matches against Notts County and, and, uh, and, and Exeter City and Swindon, teams that perhaps shouldn't be putting three or four past, aside from Notts County, you're obviously gash at the minute. But, <laughs> you know, we've got a great goal difference. So it's all about points. And points win your league. It's not goals. Mm. Um, and if we've got more points than the team in second, it doesn't matter if we've got a much worse goal difference, as long as you've got more points. So... Yeah, move on to MK Dons, which will be, you know, it'll be a different game again. But um, we approach every single game, I think, as a, as looking as if we're, we're going to win it. And at Sinsel Bank, despite the Crawley defeat and despite the poor showing against Berry, you'd back us to beat anybody in this league. Absolutely, I think uh, this is one that a few people at the start of the season would have said. You know, uh, the, these two teams are going to be occupying. Uh, two potentially of the, of the top three spots. Um, I know the guys at the, uh, not the top 20 podcast, they, they had us down. I think they had a bit of an, you know, a bit of an argument between themselves to say, well, who's finishing first, who's finishing second, but they've not shone just quite yet as I think everybody was expecting them to. I mean, they're, they're sat what ninth in the table, six points behind us. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of teams at the moment that are on 13 points, but um, I don't, I think it's probably a little bit. It's a little bit silly to put too much stock into the league table still at this point in the season, um, unless, of course, you're looking at you know Notts County and uh, and Grimsby, where you know 17 and 14 points clear above them after eight games is a wonderful thing to be. Um, unless you're three points clear at the top, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the um, you know that their their league position at the moment possibly it, it doesn't. It doesn't really uh, sum up where they should be. I think um, that they aren't scoring many, which is you know something that we've we've touched on briefly um, before we started tonight. Uh, and I think you know I think that we said they've scored seven in seven yep. at the minute, um, which is you know when when you're only scoring on average one goal a game, you, you've got to make sure that your defence is as tight as it can possibly be, um, and it doesn't seem really like it's 
it's letting in too many goals either. So obviously, you know, they've only won one out of the last five, um, four draws as well. So, I mean, are we expecting a relatively tight game? I, I can't see as... I can't see us approaching it with caution. Um, you know, I think Danny's probably going to say, right, look, they're there for the taking. They're not scoring many. So let's keep it, you know, keep it fairly tight at the back and let's uh, let's throw what we can forward and hopefully, you know, poach a couple of goals and, you know, beat what is potentially quite a tight defence in its, in its own right. What do you reckon? Yeah, possibly. I think the point to make is the team that they beat was Exeter. And if anybody's going to know Exeter, it's going to be Paul Tisdale. So, you know, that was one that they, that kind of skews, I think, their form a little bit. It's like looking at us and Grimsby. It's, it's a game that's a little bit more than, than just a matchup between two teams, if you see what I mean. They've drawn mm. against Swindon, who were who were fairly dire. They've drawn against Forest Green post Doidge, and I, I I think Forest Green might struggle um, after Doidge. So the results haven't been fantastic, um, as you say. Seven goals in seven games. They played uh, on Saturday with a with a three five two, um, which was which was almost a, a, a three four one two because it's kind of three centre backs. Then they play the two wing backs with two defensive midfielders in between them, uh, and then they play a lad called Alex Gilby just in the hole behind the front two. Now. Gilby's a real live wire. Um, he's been at Colchester. He was with them in League One for four years. I think he spent some time in the Championship with Wigan. He's he's a real danger man. And how we deal with him, which one of our defensive midfielders drops in and picks him up is going to be crucial. Um, obviously, with, with Lee Freck out, Bozzy still seems to be playing centre-back with Shackle, which I agree with. So it might fall on, on Tom Pett. Now, our best route to goal is, is probably going to be down the flanks because certainly on the their left-hand side, so our right-hand attacking side, they've still got Dean Lewington playing for them. Now, Lewington's been a fantastic player. He's been a one-club man. He was there when they were Wimbledon and then when they were mercilessly snatched from their home and relocated to MK Dons in one of the um, worst moves that the Football League has ever sanctioned, um, he remained there. Uh, he played against us a couple of times. He's 34 now um, and he's probably just lacking a little bit of pace. And the way that we like to switch our wingers over, you know, we're going to have the, the, the bullish kind of aggressive Harry Anderson battering him for 20 minutes. And then he's going to have the pace, trickery and finesse of, of Andrade. I mm. think we're going to be looking at getting balls into the box and possibly picking up on the edges when their three centre-backs try and deal with it. So it's going to be a tight game. They're going to come here and they'll be perfectly happy with the draw. Make no mistake about that. Um, yeah. I think up front, like you say, they're not scoring a lot of goals. Surprises me because they've got Kieran Agard up there who we touched on beforehand. I mean, he's he's only scored twice this season. He should be better. You know, he's played championship football. He scored 20 in a season, I think, for Bristol City a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. I can't see why he's not scoring at the moment. So, um, oh yeah, I, I agree with you, Ben, to be honest. I, I waffled a little bit there, unfortunately. Um, but I, I see it being tight. I see it being, if anyone's going to win it, it's going to be by the odd goal. Um, yeah. So now I've, now I've tipped that up. It'll probably be 5-4. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. It, it's always the way, you know. Every every prediction that we've made so far has always been it either seems to be bang on the money or it's wildly off. Um, so I think uh, I think a tight game is is probably you know the, the um, it's the easiest way to, to you know easiest prediction to make. Um, it was a very good point you made there about um, you know if anybody knows Exeter, it's going to be Paul Tis, uh, Paul Tisdale. So obviously you know he's 
I, I've actually got a lot of time for Tisdale. I think he's, um, as a manager, I think he's he's very astute. I think he's very clever. Um, he's well-spoken. And I think he's not one to, to get dragged into, you know, wars of worlds. And I I see a lot of Tisdale and Danny and Danny and Tisdale in, in that kind of, you know, in, in the right ways. I think they, um, I think on Saturday, you know, we'll see, both post-match interviews, I think we'll see a lot of respect and a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of compliments going either way. And hopefully it's going to be, you know, Tisdale complimenting us on, on a fantastic victory. But the um, it, it's nice to see that in a manager rather than having, you know, the likes of, uh, of, of your ratty friend um, coming out and, and kind of, you know, dolloping it out when he's not even playing us. You know, it's... Uh, I, I just hope that Saturday goes off, you know, well for 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 the club, and I think um, I think yeah, Tisdale's going to be an interesting uh, interesting thing because obviously we you know losing to him in the playoffs with with Exeter, um, they've sort of gone on to to do quite well without him, and he's sat, you know he's with MK Dons, and they're they're not quite where I think they should be at the moment. So we'll have to see. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens um, on and after the game. I think is probably what I'm getting at with that one. Yeah, I think I think you're right with Tisdale. I think one criticism that came in at Exeter was that he tended to be a little bit negative. Um, and for whatever people said, he used to like to go a little bit long to Stockley. Um, he used to like to play out from the back into perhaps the, the far end of his defensive third and then look for Stockley. So it wasn't technically a long ball. Um, but then again, we weren't when we were hitting Reed on the diagonal. He hasn't really got that figure at MK Dons at the moment. Agard, I always pictured as one who likes to run on and run the channels more of a Matt Green type. So mm-hmm. uh, he's just he's just settling his way in. He does he's he's started in the right way because the first thing you've got to do is make your team hard to beat and then you've got to make them able to go out and win games and I think you know if you're not conceding goals you can you can usually then kind of spring on from there. So it's definitely our biggest test at home this season. Don't think there's any yeah. doubt about that um to this point and if we were to win and you know I don't want to tempt fate but if we were to win we're going to have a big gap then between us and what was one of the other preseason favourites? Yeah, um, uh, I think I think that's the, the the key thing there is, like you say, that they are they were one of the preseason favourites, and at the moment the gap is six points. Um, no, I, I think as we're aware, six points that can be turned over in a weekend. But I think when you start getting towards like nine points, and, and then you start to just open up that gap a little tiny bit more. Um, obviously, you know, it's not insurmountable. It never is. We obviously did it against Forest Green when they were, you know, they could have gone 12 points clear. But it's it's nice to see that people are looking at things and going, oh, yeah, you know, Lincoln could open up a big gap over somebody that, like, like you say, were one of the favourite teams at the start of the season. So it's um, it's going to be an exciting game on Saturday for sure. Um, and I think uh, it's, it's certainly going to be, well, hopefully, more productive than the, uh, the the last time I believe we played them. <laughs> that, that was a lovely segue into the uh, into the next point on our running order, Ben. May I just congratulate Absolutely. you on that? Anyone would think that you've, <laughs> you've done podcasts before, mate, to be fair. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I wanted to touch on a couple of games in the past from MK Dons. I'd, I'd, we could have fallen into the trap of discussing... Um, Wimbledon and the move and the franchise and all of that. And I don't agree with it, but we're not going down that route. We're going to talk about John Schofield and MK Dons, really, because Mm -hmm. um, 
two defeats to MK Dons during Schofield's tenure were, were very contrasting and they were about a year apart. Now, the first one that I wanted to talk about was they came to Sinsel Bank um, at the beginning of the 2006-2007 season. We were undefeated at the time and they came in the middle of September. Um, those who have a, a good memory or an anal memory like me will remember that it was a, a 3-2 defeat. Um, mm-hmm. They had Izzy McLeod sent off and, and Wayne Caseman or Casey, who I'm sure isn't listening to this, nearly got spack, smacked by McLeod uh, because he gave him a load of verbal when he came back. And McLeod's a big lad up <laughs> <laughs> close and he wasn't frightened of our DJ one little bit. But anyway, I came away from that game thinking if Lincoln City play like that every week, We'll, we'll be promoted, no doubt at all, because we lost 3-2. We were excellent, and MK Dons were brilliant as well. I think they went on and won the title. They were certainly... I know they didn't, did they? They didn't go up because we played them the following season. Um, mm. so they didn't go up. We didn't go up. We crumbled, obviously. Um, but that was the real high point of, of Schofield's reign for me because it just it had everything that you wanted from a Lincoln performance. And I, I don't know if you remember the game or were you, um, was it while in, during your tenure? Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was very, I've got vague memories of it because uh, a friend of mine at the time was, um, he, he was a former Wimbledon fan who who made the trip with uh, with the team across to MK Dons, so it was uh, it, there was always a bit of uh, a bit of needle there when it came to it, and um, yeah, I, I do distinctly remember the the two polar opposites of of games really. When you know, like you say, one game where I thought we did incredibly well, and then you know the, the next time we played, next time out when we played them, it was uh, well. Not not quite as uh, not quite as good. No, well, it was actually the season after. I mean, we we played them away again in in that season, and the same thing we got beat. But the season after, it was obviously Schofield's last game. Um, mm. It was televised. Might have been a Friday night. Might have been a Saturday. I can't actually remember. Um, it was during a rather hectic period of my life, let's say. Um, but we were hammered. We were we were we were stuffed four 0 We were rock bottom of the table. Um, I seem to think, and I, I may be corrected here. I seem to think we started with something like Ollie Ryan and Steve Torpy with Forrester and Stallard on the bench. And for me, it just epitomised everything that had gone horribly, horribly wrong in such a quick period of time. And MK Dons did go up that season uh, and and John Schofield left the club um, to be replaced by Peter Jackson, who uh, you and I have very, very contrasting views of. Um, But, uh, you know, Schofield is rebuilding his career, certainly to a degree. I think he's over at Doncaster as a youth coach now. Um, But he he was a fantastic, fantastic man, Schofield. He was a nice guy, you know, he knew his stuff. Um, But MK Dons, that result really killed him off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that that was. Um, now, now you've mentioned that you know that, that that sort of definitely was around the you know around the tenure, and it was. Um, it, it, I don't know, like I, I, I don't want to sort of get drawn into um, the the discussion about you know um, uh, previous managers and stuff like that. I'm sure that's a that's a discussion that we can have on a podcast further further down the line. But um, yeah, the the, the the disheartening thing for me with with the uh, with that result and obviously Scoey's departure was that he was a club legend um, to to a lot of people, um, and I think a lot of people throw that word around a bit too uh, a bit too easily. But to me, I think I always remember John Schofield being. Um, I think he was probably the captain when I was, uh, if not the captain, he was one of the more influential players when I, when I started going to, uh, to Central Bank, um, as a very young lad. And it was, it was really sad to see 
essentially what the club was was becoming. Um, I think it was, it, yeah, obviously after the uh, the, the playoff uh, campaigns with Keith, I don't want to say the playoff successes because they, you know, obviously we know how that went. But uh, watching watching the club slowly sort of transform into this not quite mess, but I think it was definitely a a, a difficult situation, a difficult time. Uh, to be a Lincoln City fan, it was it was one of those moments where you just think, what what's actually happened here? Because we were doing all right, and um, yeah, now we're not. So oh. yeah, it, it's it's an area. It's a it's a time that I definitely don't have the fondest memories of. Um, Looking, at- I think. Sorry, I'll just quick, go on. You carry on, mate. I, I was going to say, you know, I think ultimately it, it was one of those where. When it came to the when it came to the end of it, I think maybe a lot of people were were accepting of the fact that Scoey maybe didn't you know he'd probably lost it. He'd be it was probably his time to go. Um, and like you say, at that point we then brought Peter Jackson on, and and um, yeah, we've, I'm sure we'll have that discussion further down the line. Um, but it was a it was a difficult time. The four nil defeat that we suffered. Uh, I've got the team here. There was, I mean, Alan Marriott was a legend, Beavers, Nat Brown. Jamie Hand um, played for Lincoln that day. Frecklington Kerr, Ryan Amu, who I'm sorry was utter garbage. Um, Hamza Ben-Sharif played for us. Danny and Gesson. He started with Stallard and Ollie Ryan, uh, but he brought both off on 58 minutes when we were losing 1-0 and brought on Owen Warlow and Steve Torpy, leaving Louis Dodds and Jamie Forrester sat on the bench. So we were... I mean, that says it all, really, doesn't it? It does. We were 1-0 down at halftime. Dean Lewington played, who's obviously going to play tomorrow, and they had Jude Sterling playing for them as well. But it, I think, you know, people say that, that Scoey wasn't backed in that uh, in that transfer window, which, you, you know, okay, we brought in Steve Torpy, you could argue that. But Jamie Forrester was still a quality football player, and he was sat on the bench that day. Um, and, yeah, it was it was harsh. Um, yeah, but last time we went there, we actually lost – they came to us. We lost 2-1, and uh, Ben Wright scored for us. So it's been a while. Dean Lewington played that day as well. Yeah. In fact, Dean Lewington so, so- played in five of our six games against MK Duns. Yeah, so it sounds like he's uh, – yeah, I mean, he's going to be uh, potentially easy pickings, I'd like to say, for, for Andrade and uh, – and, and Harry on Saturday, so we'll obviously see how that goes. But uh, yeah, it was it was. Um, it I'm sure we like you say we, we'll probably have more of these conversations about you know past meetings and, and managers and all the rest of it um, going forward. I, I, I am particularly interested to have you know the the chat about uh, about the you know some of the managers um, because it's it's always nice to well it's always interesting to get you know people's other opinions on stuff and uh, see how we go sorry my cat is actually being incredibly noisy at the moment I thought so I could hear a you. cat I was, <laughs> I was thinking I'm pretty sure I can hear a cat that can't be right yeah. <laughs> so yeah apologies if you can hear that on the podcast she's uh, she's just being a little bit noisy at the moment but um I'll uh, I'll make sure she's placated afterwards um but yeah, other than um, other than MK Dons and the uh, you know the sort of the past history that we've got with them, um, is there anything else you wanted to to sort of discuss briefly? Um, we're, we're obviously keeping it relatively short this week because uh, we've got other other bits and bobs to to kind of shoot off and do. I know you're you're eagerly anticipating your uh, your your program notes for the weekend. Yes, I'm due to interview Tom Pett immediately 
after we've recorded this pod. Um, and then tomorrow, the reason we're recording early, I mean, people don't know that, but we're recording this on Tuesday rather than Wednesday, is that um, my good friend Chris Hillsley, who's the head honcho of Running Imp and often provides a box for me on cold days, um, is being awarded British Empire Medal. So I'm going to go along and watch him uh, watch him get that. Oh, congratulations. But, uh, but as an interesting aside, I'm actually sat here in my Aztec retro uh, 1980s Lincoln shirt that turned up. Uh, I've taken a picture that I'm going to put on Instagram, but uh, I don't know if you've seen. They, I mean, they're a, they're a hooky shirt from Thailand, um, <laughs> but they're, they're kind of they've grown very popular in the wake of the the quick save bag kit that we're sporting for our uh, our current season. So um, it's finally <laughs> arrived. The little man from Thailand rowing over in the boat and all of that finally delivered it to me. So. Yeah. So so let's let's have a brief chat about the uh, the saga of the Aztec retro shirt because <laughs> I think. Um, as you say, when it initially got announced uh, that the the home kit was going to be terrible, divisive, shall we say? Okay, we'll we'll go with terrible. Um, I've ended up with one. My my, you know, the the, the mother in law bought me one, so I don't know whether that means she likes me or not at this point. To be honest, but uh, I've um, I've I've grown to it. You know, I'm 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 not as as sort of shocked by it as I initially was, but. Uh, yeah, the the Aztec retro uh, shirt kind of a lot of people picked it up. Um, a lot of people liked it, um, but it took forever to arrive, didn't it? Yeah, well, I, we ordered in mid-June, and the thing is, we'd got kind of a concept of what it was going to be like, but at that point, it hadn't been designed or made. And I, yeah, I, can't, I kind of get that, and I think a lot of people didn't. So it was ordered, and then there was a long period while it was being designed and, and the material source and all that sort of stuff. I think the problem came that they started promising delivery dates from August the 16th. And that oh, wow. came out. They had some problems with customs. I can't think why. You have fake Adidas products coming into the country. Um, <laughs> they had some problems with the Thai customs. I say fake. They might not be. I mean, they're pretty good ones if they are. But, um, yeah, they were, I, I got a little bit jokey rather than impatient. But I think a few people few people aren't overly happy with that. Um, but I'm wearing it now, and it's a cracking little shirt. So, and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not normally somebody that will buy something unofficial. I always think the club should get the money for it. But if you put a shirt out like that, um, at, you know, at the end of the day, people are going to kind of look elsewhere. I bought the away shirt, so the club have had some money from me. But I, I, if I want to wear red and white stripes, I, I, yeah, I love Lincoln City. But there's a line that I'll draw, and it's it's at wearing that. It's not one that's uh, got little. Like little gaps in between each part of the line. Is that right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Although I tell you, who yeah. does look good at wearing the current shirt? Jason Shackle. Oh, what a segue! <laughs> I thought I was the segue master on this podcast. I'm learning. <laughs> um, yeah, we wanted. I think we wanted to kind of one of the things we wanted to talk about towards the end of the pod when we've only got a couple of games was to pick a player and, and just talk about them for a short while. And yeah, I, I I'm really impressed with Jason Shackle. I put a blog out on him today. Um, and mm-hmm. um, I'm really keen to kind of big him up because when he first signed for the club, I know a lot of people were very excited inside the club. Um, and for me, it washed over me a little bit. I mean, not, you know, similar to, to Neil Erdley, you kind of looked and you thought, mm, he's played a couple of games in the last few years. Is he on his way down looking for his final payday? How much will he play? Uh, and I think that he's, he's, he's settled in superbly. And I genuinely think with him and Bozzy at the back, we will concede very, very few goals from, from conventional routes. Um, you know, we should boss set pieces from corners. We've got um, terrifying power in the centre of defence. My only 
concern might be the the legs, the pace. Um, but I mean, Shackle has just looked better and better every week. I thought him and Bozzy were superb against Crawley, or as, as good as you can be in in a game of that ilk. Um, and then to pop up with that finish on Saturday, I thought he showed real class, awareness. He was in the right place at the right time, and I I think he could be the golden egg. I think he could be the the final part of the jigsaw that we weren't expecting. No disrespect to Luke Waterfall, who was a great campaigner for the club, um, very committed player. But I think Jason Shackle is different gravy. You yeah. really do. Yeah, 100%. Um, the... Obviously, the um, you know the, the the signing of Shackle was was one that was potentially going to be initially thought of as a as a replacement for Waterfall. Um, maybe in hindsight, do you think there might have been any discussions? Well, obviously there were discussions prior to Luke leaving, but do you think that might have potentially forced Luke's hand into in, you know into a deal elsewhere or? How do you think that one played out? Because obviously, like you said, Luke's been Luke was a fantastic servant to us. Um, he now seems to be giving away penalties for fun at Shrewsbury. Um, but the the signing of a you know a player that not only has the experience at a higher level, but also has the awareness and the ability to to kind of blood in the youngsters, if you like, you know, to kind of. He's spoken about it himself. He said, you know, he likes to get there and um, and and almost like act like a bit of a mentor when it comes to the the younger players and, and sort of marshal the defence a little bit. And it's, it's something that we've noticed um, where he'll, you know, he'll start to like say, right, well, let's let's push out now. We've you know we've headed it out. Let's everybody now come on, move up, and and he's sort of a captain within a within a back four really rather than you know obviously not he's not the full captain of the team but I think he was on Saturday wasn't he was he yeah he was he's clearly vice captain and I think I think that's testament um to the influence that he's having I think that tells you that he hasn't come here to fill in he hasn't come here as a as a veteran like a Jamie McComb figure you know who's, who's going to occasionally pop up in a tight fitting shirt in a in the EFL trophy but other than that kind of be behind the scenes there was a thought on that but you're quite right he marshals the defense well but you look at the other players he's got with him, Neil Erdley, Michael Boswick. I mean, these are players that don't need to be told twice where they need to be either. So young mm. Harry Toffolo, he's got he's got such an a, a, an array of players around him that have got experience of all different levels. I mean, Bozzy's won the National League. He's gone through League Two. He's got League One experience. Shackles won the Championship. He's got Premier League experience. Neil Erdley's played international football. To be honest, you know, it is the final, the, the final piece of the jigsaw. Now, going back to the Luke waterfall, um, I think what happened there was that Luke was offered a deal that, that probably blew what he thought he would ever get from us out of the water. You know, it was a longer deal. It was better money. I don't think the level of football was particularly the draw for him. I don't mm. think that this might be controversial, but I, I think that we're probably a bit of a bigger club than Shrewsbury. I know they're a little bit higher than we are, but I think, you know, we get bigger crowds. Um, but Luke took, I'm not going to say talk the money and run because that sounds mercenary. He did a fantastic job for us, but anybody in any other walk of life goes. And I think as soon as Danny knew that there was an issue with Luke and that he might go, I think that's when the the, the Jason Shackle deal came about. Um, and was it not to do with agents? Did I read that Shackle's agent is the same agent as Eddie Howe? And was it? Oh, who was Ryan it? Was was his agent the same as Ryan Allsop? 
all sorts agent or is that somebody else? I know there's there's been one move at least that's that's had that connection where all sorts agent was um was somehow related because he, he sort of said oh you know what's it like at Lincoln and all sorts said oh no it's really good and and he sort of helped us sign people that we maybe not necessarily maybe we wouldn't have signed but you know he's he's definitely sort of given him a bit of a nudge in that direction yeah, I mean, I interviewed um, Jason Shackle for the for the club program a couple of weeks ago. I actually had to do it while he was on his way to work um, because he's got a couple of kids he looks after. And you know, chatting to him, what really came across was he just bought into the project. Um, he saw, he met Danny, and he more or less said to me, "I met the manager, and that convinced me I wanted to be a part of it." I think he had got options in League One. I think he could have gone and played at a higher level if he needed to, but. You know who wouldn't want to come and play in front of eight thousand fans every week at Sinsel Bank? It's better than playing in front of three and a half thousand at Shrewsbury. So, mm. I, I just think he's going to be a big player for us. Um, I think he's probably going to be one that plays forty odd games this season. And I think at the end of the year, we're probably going to look back, as I've said in my blog, and and and, and go, mm, was he? He was as important to us as, as Sean Raggett, as Neil Erdley, as Michael Boswick, um, and maybe that wasn't evident when he first came. Yeah, uh, completely. I, I think um, the you know my, my final thoughts on it pretty much echo that. I think the the initial thought when when he signed was, oh, this is a almost a knee jerk reaction to you know t- to losing Luke. I'll be completely honest. I wasn't aware of of a lot of Shackles' history. I think that sort of um, he's he's sort of come through. You know, he's come through and he's he's played a lot of his football in my sort of wilderness years, if you like. I I didn't, I fell out of love with football, and it was only really focusing on on Lincoln City when I came. You know, when I sort of fell back in love with the game. I think it was one of those one of those things where other players' careers and other clubs and you know higher leagues and and everything else, I just didn't really pay that much attention to. But doing a bit of research after he came to the club, I thought, Jesus Christ, we've got a hell of a player here, you know, and it's, it's like you say, he wasn't just looking for a for a payday to see his career out because I think Danny's, you know, as as has been proven, I think he's he's shrewd enough to to realise that, you know, we're not just going to pay a player mega bucks to, to come here and sit on the bench and, you know, wind their careers down. He obviously wants to bring in players that, like you say, buy into the project and, and understand this is a club that is moving in the right direction and I want people here that see that and can contribute in the best way possible. Yeah, I, I think that sums it up. I don't think there's anything I'm going to add to that, Ben. Cool. Okay. Well, um, that is going to do us for episode five. I think what we might start doing next week is answering some questions. Uh, so if you do have questions for us, fire them at us on Twitter. Um, I am at Winstano and Gary is at Stacey West blog. Um, leave us a comment as well on the, on the, uh, the, the blog page, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Cause that's, uh, one of the key ways that we're, you know, we're going to start to grow. I think I've seen, you know, without sort of going, to inside baseball on it i think we've, we've seen a little bit of growth over the past couple of weeks on on uh, on itunes which is nice um and yeah hopefully um we'll uh, we'll we'll be able to get some uh I'll probably drop a little bit of a tease i think we you know we're, we're in discussions with some uh some some slightly more official channels maybe going forward but you know we'll 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 leave that dangling and see where it goes but uh yeah any, anything you want to plug anything you want to pimp out this week gary I don't really know, to be honest. I mean, we've got the uh, we've got the worst goalkeeper 
vote going on at the Stacey West at the moment. So it might be um, might be nice if you pop along and, and, and vote for the worst ever goalkeeper that you've seen at Sinsel Bank. I know we discussed it last week and I think Matthew Gent's name has popped up quite a bit over the uh, over the past seven days, <laughs> which I'm, I would like to think is our influence. Um, but other than that, no, do you know what? At the moment, I'm not selling anything. I'm not pushing anything. Um, yeah, you? Um, no, not really. Just uh, again, as ever, uh, Next Gen Base is my the, the gaming website. Um, nextgenbase.com, Twitter's Next Gen Base. Um, yeah, we, we've got a lot of stuff coming up, um, and hopefully, you know, we'll we'll have some uh, some some decent coverage coming shortly as well for for a few different games, including hopefully FIFA, where I will be able to uh, give some some in depth analysis on the imps uh, on the on the website and hopefully on the pod as well. But uh, you get me yeah, that's pretty much it. Event. Well, no, I'm I'm not going to delve into uh, you know I'm, I'm not going to delve into um, Ultimate Team because it's a fucking time sink. Well, quite. I, I indulged in a little coin farming, I admit, and they suspended my account, and I'd just saved up enough to buy a legend, Roberto Carlos, and they took it I all remember off. you saying, yeah. So, um, yeah, I haven't got uh, Pro Evo as yet either. I've, I'm basically still playing Assassin's Creed myself, waiting the new ones out fairly soon. So, um, yeah. But, yeah. But, uh, anyway, yeah, so that's going to do us. Thank you for joining us, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Yep, see you later. Bye. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.